A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Faith that we're moving forward. Okay. 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 Where Jen and I stand as of now is I allowed myself to put the door open, but I also had a screen there. You know, those like those screens that if you touch them, they have a little bit of electric voltage because the trust has been burnt. <laughs> I don't know what Mary's saying half the time, but I'm living. You guys, that was a clip from this week's. Real Houses of Salt Lake City. I don't know if you heard that little electric sound effect they added in. Last week, they added in the fart sound effect for Mary. Now, I know she did point out that she was farting in the middle of the scene, but the Bravo editors did add a little boost of a fart sound effect so we could hear it through the TV. And now this week, they're adding an electric fence. The and you guys, I don't even think they know what Mary's saying. They're just adding sound effects. They got a Foley artist on, on the Real House Lives now. I don't know if you guys know what a Foley artist is, but it's like in movies when somebody's like walking through the grass and they have to recreate that sound effect. They usually have someone in a studio with, I don't know, styrofoam cups and stuff trying to recreate the sound of what it would make, what it would sound like to be on the grass. And I feel like the Real Housewives now has to employ someone, a Foley artist, just for Mary Cosby. Because they don't know what she's saying. They're like, we'll just add some fucking sound effects in the back of it. And maybe people enjoy it. And I did. I did. The truth is, they could put every sound effect in the book. And I would be having a, a gay old time watching Mary Cosby. I mean, God bless. Love it. Love it. I mean, she doesn't fit in with these women, not even the littlest bit. And again, I don't know anything she's saying. She's completely unpredictable, but I'm living. And so I hope we uh, just continue to get more sound effects here on The Real House of Salt Lake City. You guys, we're going to talk about Salt Lake. We're going to talk about Potomac. Before we get into all of that stuff, though, I do have to say, correct me, uh, correct something from last week on the show, Everything Iconic. I told you guys, Brooks, I said he uh, was as a cast member. He's been in confessionals last season. And so I had said that I believe he gets paid. And this happened when I was covering The Real House in New Jersey. I had said on this program, I said, the husbands get paid. They're cast members and they're in confessionals. And then again, last week, I said, look, uh, Brooks was in a confessional scene. He must get paid because he has to get mic'd up and all, a whole nine. And I was corrected by a lot of people. I'm not going to reveal the sources, but I had heard from a lot of people after the New Jersey episode that, no, that's not true. The men don't get paid. And then I heard from people this time uh, that, no, it's not true. The kid's not getting paid. Now, I'm not saying I believe that. I still believe my theory is correct because I don't understand how they could put people in a studio, mic them up and sit them down for a confessional and not pay them. I don't believe that's true. Maybe they don't pay them a lot, but I still believe that they have to pay them. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I just want to correct myself because I keep hearing from people that I trust and believe in, and in the know that it's not true. They don't get paid, but I don't, my brain doesn't compute it. Much like Mary Cosby often looking at her on screen, my brain doesn't compute how they can mic someone up. Because insurance-wise even, how do they put them in a studio? What if something were to happen to them? And are they, there's no contract, there's no nothing. So I don't believe it. I'm just repeating the news to you that apparently it's just the wives that get paid. Again, I don't believe that. 
in the words of Valerie Cherish, I don't believe, well, she says, I don't want to see that, but I changed it up a little bit for this remix. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. So I just, but I had to pass along the info that I'm hearing from reliable sources that they're not getting paid unless they're a housewife. I don't believe it. I think it's all lies. And we all know how they lie to our faces, right? Like we love Bravo. We love them. I love them all. I love them all with every inch of my heart. Uh, however, they do lie to our faces and it's a fact of the show. And that's what we love about the show. I don't want them to tell me the truth to my face. I want to believe all the nonsense that they're trying to sell me the whole bag of bullshit. I want to take it with me on my way after I watch these shows. So, uh, you know, there's my disclaimer, uh, and I don't know what the truth is, quite frankly, and I don't think any of us will know unless we're a friend of, unless we're an official friend or someone in a confessional, I don't think we'll actually know what the truth is, whether or not these people get paid or not. Now, we do have some new housewives. We got Angie now, who's one of the new wives. She's not an official wife, so she's an official friend of. She's in a confessional. I'd imagine she's getting paid because... But who knows? I can't figure out the the money schedule on these shows. Uh, but we got Angie. We met her this week. She's throwing the big casino night charity event. She's friends with Lisa. She's a cousin of Whitney. And it, they use the term cousin very loosely because Whitney was explaining that family tree. And I'm like, I don't think that fucking means you're related. I mean, that's like me saying I'm related to John Stamos or something. Like, it's a pipe dream. Actually, I'm quite glad I'm not related to John Stamos because I like looking at that handsome man. Uh, but th- quite frankly, I don't believe that they're related. I mean, it's like very far fetched. Whitney said, like the great, 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 great grandfather. And I'm like, that's not a thing, Whit. I love you, but that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Um, and it's causing all these issues, though. That's what I am liking about it. That's what I am bada ba 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 loving about the Whitney, Lisa, Angie thing is that the genealogy, or as Whitney said in this episode, the genealogy. Uh, is really causing some drama, and I'm into that. I'm into that. So we open this week. We had it to be continued last week. We're still on the ice fishing thing, and we got the Jen Shah versus the Meredith. I didn't mention last week that Jen Shah is wearing that Giselle hat with like the crown printed on the hat. It's really not great look, but she's wearing it, and Giselle wore it. I just feel like I had to point out. You know, oftentimes on these shows we get cross. Uh, I don't want to say cross-dressing, that's not the right term, but, you know, cross-fashions, where there's a fashion that appears on one episode of one show and then appears on the other episode of the other show. And I'm really into that. It makes me feel like there's some cohesion amongst the wives. And so I really appreciate seeing that. Uh, So Meredith, you know, she's storming off last week. She stormed off the sunglasses, flew the fuck off her face, and then flew in the snow, and she's yelling at Jen, and she's getting out of there. She's like, she lies, she denies, she lies and denies. You know, she's doing a lot of rhyming like she's Dr. Seuss. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. And then Meredith storming off. The glasses fall onto the floor. And then Lisa runs over to Meredith. She's like, Meredith, Meredith, calm down. You need to calm down. And then she reveals, okay, so Meredith's all upset. She's like, my son Brooks, she's doing all these homophobic tweets. She's liking homophobic tweets. You know, she's yelling at Jen about all that. And Lisa comes over to try to calm Jen, uh, calm Meredith down. Meredith's in an uproar. The glasses flew off the face. She's mad about her son. She's protecting her little bear. She's protecting little bear, Brooks. And then Lisa's trying to calm her down. She's like, look, my son Jack, when he was younger, and I'm thinking something, I don't know, we don't know a ton about Jack. We do know that he's got the shampoo line or whatever the fuck they were selling last season. So we don't know a whole ton about Lisa's kids. But I thought maybe they'd reveal like something really dark, deep secret about her son Jack and something he lived through as a child. And then she said people told him he had a big head at the grocery store or something. She's like, Jack was at the grocery store, and people told him he had a big head. And I was like, Lisa, you need to stop. Stop! 
Megan <laughs> In the words of Britney Spears in the Crazy Stop remix, you need to stop, Lisa, because that's not the same thing as someone growing up closeted and not coming out of the closet and revealing their sexuality, people. I mean, a big head, and by the way, a big head is a sign of like an actor. They always say, if you watch people on TV, those people have big heads because I don't know. It's like a thing with celebrities. Big Celebrities have big heads. It's a thing. And so really, it's a, a positive thing for young Jack to have a big ass head. And so here comes Lisa. They're trying to compare the two. And I was like, Lisa, you need to cool it. Stop it. Stop it. It's not the same thing. So then Jen says there's a double standard. You know, she's always turning it around. She's really good. I will say Jen is fantastic at turning the situation around. Somehow tricks everyone. Just bamboozles everyone by turning around the situation. They're mad about one thing that Jen did. And then suddenly Jen's saying, well, what about my kids? It's like, nobody did anything to your kids. So chill. You need a hashtag chill. Nothing happened to her kids, and she's so mad about it. But she's so good at turning that around instantly. And they, it's like it happens so fast that all the women are like, I don't even know how that happened. Like, then they get confused, and suddenly it's like they're apologizing or something. It's like uh, Meredith didn't do anything wrong. She never talked about your kids. And she keeps bringing up that vagina thing, which was last season. Remember, Brooke said something about, like, don't show me your vag. And Jen is still very offended by that. And she keeps bringing that up. And I don't actually believe she's really offended. I think she keeps bringing it up because she wants to turn around on Meredith. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's what I, I believe. But Meredith's storming off. Then Jen's storming off. And Lisa goes after Jen now. And she takes the backpack. She's got that. That, that was a cute backpack. I really did like that backpack. But Jen just puts it on. Or Lisa puts it on. I can't get their names right, you guys. Oh, my God. Are you guys? I know we're already in second season, but I feel like I mix up the names all the time. I mean, I understand Lisa and Meredith, they look a lot alike. So sometimes I get confused, even though I know the difference between the two of them. It's like sometimes when I'm looking at my notes, I'm thinking about their faces and I get them mixed up. But then also their names like Lisa, Heather, Mary, I I feel like they're all, I need some crazier names in there. And now there's a Jen and now there's another Jenny. And uh, I just need some more unique names. And not that their names aren't beautiful. But I'm getting a little bit confused. And so as I'm doing these recaps, I'm probably giving one name to one person and screwing up the other person. I get it. So I'm sorry if you guys are listening and you're like, what the fuck, Danny? You're saying the wrong name. But I'm doing my best. As always, I'm doing my best. But Lisa takes Jen's backpack. And then Jen, that's when Jen says, I'm trying to defend my fucking vagina. She says, that was a direct quote. And Jen's a little bit of a, a mess. I mean, I don't want to say that she's crazy, but crazy. I will imply it. And because she throws the diamond tennis bracelet, $70,000. Stu Chains is like, where the diamond bracelet go? He's helping Lisa find the diamond bracelet in the snow. I'm worried the fish are going to come out of the water, you know, because they're still on a fishing trip. I mean, really, we forget. We forget all this crazy stuff is going on. But really, it's a fishing trip. And I still don't understand the mechanics of this fishing trip because it looked like there were holes everywhere. And then I'm also worried about the ice. If we're on, if we're on a pond or something... You know, the ice, they could fall through the ice. I've seen the Mighty Ducks franchise upwards of a hundred times. I know that you can't just go on ice in the same way like Gordon Bombay did in the very first Mighty Ducks when he drove the limo onto the ice and picked up the kids. That was dangerous. Remember Charlie's mom got upset, made him get off the ice and said, I'm never going to let my son around you again, she said to Gordon Bombay, played by Emilio Estevez. So I learned at that young age when I was watching that classic cinema that you can't just go on the ice willy-nilly and here these women are. It looks like they're above water. So maybe I'm not understanding the mechanics of this fishing trip. But if there's one thing I've learned from Gordon Bombay, it's not just the flying V. It's that you can't just go on ice willy-nilly. And here are these women just throwing diamonds, too, throwing diamonds in the 
in the ice ocean as if they're the woman in Titanic throwing the thing in the ocean. I mean, that old-ass lady. Remember at the end of Titanic? The old-ass lady. What was her name? I don't remember the name in Titanic. I only saw Titanic once. I don't know if you remember back in the day. But Titanic, if you grew up at a certain time when you rented Titanic from the video store, you got two VHS tapes. So I remember I went and rented it one night. And I was so shocked. I was like, what, two VHS tapes? And I rented it from this place called Video for All in Solon, Ohio. And they gave me two tapes. That's how you had to get it. And I think there was even like an added charge or something because it had two tapes, which I thought was a ripoff. It's like I'm watching one movie just because it's two VHSs. It ain't my fault that they can't fit it on one fucking VHS. You know what I mean? And I remember sitting watching. It was just so long. It was long. And don't get me wrong. Kate was gorgeous in it. We love her. Leonardo DiCaprio, beautiful looking young man. Uh, I mean, very delicate features, you know, very delicate features, that young man. Uh, so I understand that people love that movie. No, no offense to Titanic. It was just, I only saw it that one time. And of course, I remember uh, the old lady dropping into the ocean and then largely because of our dear Britney Spears recreated that moment for her Oops, I Did It Again video. Crazy. Sorry, that was, we put the Britney on the soundboard and in honor for this week. And I know that wasn't from the Oops, I Did It Again song, but I had to play it anyway. <laughs> Okay, so then we cut to Stu. Stu Chains goes after Jen. And then he says, look, remember when I get defensive, you get mad at me. And then he convinces her to go back and talk to the gals. And I don't even really understand why he's there. I didn't quite, because it wasn't like he was with the group. And then all of a sudden he was still there. I thought he went to help them set up and then left, but he was still there. I don't understand the mechanics of that man. Just in general, all around. I can't give you specifics. Just in general, I don't understand him. As a human... As a human, I don't get him, and maybe if we were to learn more, I'd understand, but right now, I don't. I don't. Anyway, Jen apologizes and says the last thing she wants to do is hurt Brooks. And Lisa's just standing there, she says, I believe her! And then Meredith and Jen hug, and Lisa, who's been getting the mix, she's getting in the middle of this mix, she says, I feel better, do you feel better? And it's like, Lisa had nothing to do with that fight. <laughs> I feel better, do you feel better? Then they agree that Jen is going to sit down with Brooks, which I thought that's a bad idea, right? Like, I don't know if we need that, but I need to watch that. You know, I don't think that's a healthy thing for all of them to go through, but I think it's a good thing for me to watch. Mm -hmm. And that's what's important on this show. Then the women, we uh, just check in with all of them. We cut into Mary's house. She's making like French toast or eggs or something. And she kept touching the hot pan. And I'm like, Mary, like she kept touching and be like, ouch, ouch. <laughs> Mary, your pan's on like you're cooking. And he just kept touching it. Like, I know she was trying to get the food off it or whatever, but I was like, Mary, stop doing that. Touching a hot pan. Ouch, ouch. Then Jenny, we see her folding laundry. I love folding laundry. Nothing more relaxing than folding laundry. I do like it. Then we cut to Jen and Stu Chains. They're walking the dogs. Again, don't understand any of it. Then we cut to Lisa and Sarah Jane, one word. Uh, and then Angie. Now, Sarah Jane and Angie, like, I... I didn't know if we were getting both of them or if they're both new housewives. I actually didn't even realize we were getting like a whole nother person in a confessional. And then they showed Angie and I couldn't remember. I was like, is that Angie or is that Sarah Jane? So look, if Sarah Jane and Angie are both going to be on this show, I might mix those two up too. I might, because it's a lot. It's a lot of different people they're throwing at me. And I'm sorry, there's not a whole lot of differences right now amongst the women. I mean, though that scene where they were all sitting down, it was Sarah Jane, Angie, and Lisa. They were all talking about Chick-fil-A for about 20 minutes. And then they were like, I'm on a KFC kick, Lisa said. And then she's like, have you ever been there? They're cold saws next level. I don't know if that was Lisa or Angie. Somebody said, it was like Chick-fil-A, then KFC. And here's the thing. 
You guys, we all love Chick-fil-A's chicken. I get it. I get it. But look into their LGBTQ practices or anti-LGBTQ practices because, uh, you know, this scene for them to be talking about how much they love Chick-fil-A and then immediately talking about Angie's trans child and how LGBTQ issues are so important to her. I was just thinking, maybe you need to look at the Chick-fil-A practices. I'm I'm sorry, but Angie, I need you to just look into that a little bit. A little bit. I get that the chicken's good, okay? I get it. People like it. But there's good chicken everywhere. Like they said in this scene, have you ever been to KFC? Because KFC's got great chicken, too. So go to KFC. There's plenty of places. You know, we got Popeye's. We're getting uh, Raising Cane's here in Los Angeles. We haven't had that here forever. And I, of course, was raised on Raising Cane's over in Ohio. They used to have one in Columbus by Ohio State University that we used to go to. So, you know, there's other chicken places is all I'm trying to say. Now, uh, when they bring up KFC, someone said, I don't remember if this Angie or, or Lisa, but they said, have you had their coleslaw? And it reminded me of this moment, you guys, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but I did get in a fight with someone once at a deli. You know, I'm more of a lover, not a fighter. I'm really neither of either, but (laughs) I'm really not much of of either. But uh, if I had to pick one, I'm more of a lover than a fighter. And so it's very rare of me, especially in public. You know, I'm someone who likes to keep the peace. I'm a Libra. I want everyone to get along, all that good stuff. But there was one time I was just in one of those moods. You know, I don't know, Mercury was in retrograde or something. This was years ago. And there was a woman at the deli who was being very rude to the deli person at the counter. And so I could tell I was already mad at this woman because she was being such an asshole to the person who was getting her sliced lunch meats. And then she asked him for some cold slaw. She added a D to it. She said cold slaw. And I was like, it, it like sent me over the edge. I was like, it's coleslaw. <laughs> we had a, we shared some words. I don't remember exactly what happened. You know, I blacked out after that, but she was being such an asshole. And then I corrected her and then she came after me. She's like, excuse me. Are you interrupting? And I was like, yeah, lady, you kept saying, Cold slaw and it's coleslaw, C O L E. There's no D at the end. And I don't, that was my way of saying like you're being an asshole to the person behind the deli counter. And the person behind the deli counter liked that I kind of went after this woman. I mean, not really went after is a good term for it, but I did correct her and we shared some words. And believe me, I, I feel like when we were sharing those words, the person behind the deli counter spit in her cold slaw because she's being such an asshole. Anyway, Angie's throwing a casino night for the gays. Uh, and so she invites everyone. Lisa says that Whitney, uh, who is Angie's cousin now or, or relation or whatever, Lisa says that Whitney annihilated her character. So Lisa and Whitney got the thing. Remember at the reunion, Lisa called Whitney weather and they were fighting about whatever. And uh, Lisa says, look, she's not going to let it cause issues in the relationship. She says, I'm a Sag. I need my fun. We're going to have casino night. It's going to be no big deal. Good time. So I actually thought they were all going to move past this. And luckily I was wrong. Anyway, then, uh, let's see, we cut to Mary's house. And her and Robert Jr. are doing a lot of duo scene work together this season. And I got to point out Mary's confessional look with the necklace letters. It was a full fucking alphabet. Do you notice that Mary in the confession, she's got the hat on. She's got, I mean, uh, the outfit, you guys, is really shocking. But she's got the necklaces. And you know, the women on these Housewives shows, we talk about how they sometimes wear the same things on different franchises. You remember, Dorit actually started the thing where she puts the words in her hair on the hair clip. And then all the women started doing that, it became a trend. And I don't know if Dorit started the trend. I think it started somewhere else and Dorit picked up on it, but then it became a Housewives trend. 
I don't want to give Dorit too much credit for her style. Although I like some of her style. Usually it's just way too many like labels. Anyway, so it becomes a trend. And I noticed that happened on the Housewives. Everyone was wearing the name. Remember Kyle Richards had the name on her hair and the clip. And then, so we're seeing that happen a lot. And this confessional look for Mary, she's got every letter in the alphabet around her neck. And I was like, is that going to become a trend? Or is that just like the version of the Dorit with the name in the hair uh, coming to Mary's neckline? And it's like, overboard. I mean, because um, I don't even know how many how many necklaces was that? Was it all one necklace? Did she just layer them like that? Because it was a hundred letters. At first I thought it said something. I'm like, nope, it's just the whole alphabet. <laughs> it's just the whole fucking thing on her neck. Anyway, Meredith arrives right after a vampire facial. <laughs> I had to play that sound clip again because I said vampire. Anyway, she arrives in all denim as if she's uh, Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears going to the VMAs in the early aughts. And she's wearing a hat like a baseball cap. I can't figure that whole look out, but that's what she's wearing. And I get it's after the vampire facial. And I, look, all denim, what's that called? It's a Canadian tuxedo? That's what Meredith was wearing. I kind of liked it. I did sort of like, I like the casualness of the hat with the, the denim. I don't know. But her face was all red. And she said, look, Mary, do you ever have the vampire facial? And Mary, like, didn't understand. Like, she couldn't compute. You know, we always talk about not being able to compute what Mary's saying. And Mary couldn't compute the vampire facial. She said, what do you mean you're putting DNA on the faces? Like, Mary's like, what the fuck? And honestly, like, I, Mary's right in this case. Like, we've all sort of accepted vampire facials as a thing, but like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, how is that a thing now? Uh, but it really, when Meredith said she got the vampire facial, I was like, oh yeah, it didn't even like process as a thing in my brain. And then Mary pointed out how crazy it was. And I'm like, you know what? Mary's actually right on this one. So we got to give Mary that. Anyway, Mary says she's seeing Jen for the first time at casino night. I was real excited that. Uh, Mary is going to be at Casino Night because, you know, they keep her away from a lot of the group events. But then she said that Jen did a, a meme about her, and it was a meme about how it started versus how it's going. And it's a picture of someone, a young girl with the grandpa. <laughs> this show is so stupid. Okay, so imagine trying to explain this to someone who's never watched this show before. I don't know if anyone right now is listening to this podcast that has never watched The Real Houses of Salt Lake City, or you're not super familiar with it. But if I want to try to explain it, it sounds crazy because essentially Mary married her grandfather, and that's a storyline in this show, although it's all something that we've just accepted at this point, right? Like first season, the first couple of episodes of The Real Houses of Salt Lake City season one, I think we're all like, what the fuck? She married her grandpa. And now it's just an acceptable fact. And it doesn't, I don't even think twice about it. So now there's a meme that's a storyline uh, that one of the wives tweeted out a meme, how it started versus how it's going about some young girl marrying her grandpa. And honestly, we all just are like, oh yeah, okay. Like that's just normal in this universe. And really, like it is fucking nuts. It's fucking crazy. Crazy! <laughs> it's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. Like, if I'm trying to explain that to someone, someone, listen to this podcast. I would love it if somebody out there could message me. If you've never watched Salt Lake City, you're listening to Everything Iconic for the very first time. Are you confused by this? Because we've all, the people that have watched The Real House of Salt Lake City, have just accepted the fact that this woman on the show, cast member, essentially married her ex-step-grandfather. Was it an ex-step-grandfather? I mean, I don't remember. That's really crazy. Anyway, then we cut to Whitney and Angie at a restaurant, and they're both doing Burberry trenches. That's what they're wearing. It was like a funny moment to me. They were like, oh, we're both doing Burberry trench coats, but they called them trenches. 
And then, okay, it's revealed they have the same great, 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 grandfather. And I thought, who cares? Then Angie's caterer, it's revealed, backed up, and they think it's because Lisa's sabotaging the casino night. That's what they think, you guys, that Lisa called up the caterer and got her to quit Angie's casino night. Ah, you guys. I have the Chill. No. When they revealed that, and Whitney's like, oh my God, it's sabotage. It's sabotage, she said. That she's sabotaging the casino night. And I thought, I think she's sabotaging the casino night. Suddenly I was on board with this mystery and this theory. I mean, but I couldn't believe it. She's sabotaging the caterers. She's got the caterers to quit. And I believe that. I mean, I know we had a big confrontation about it later in the episode, but I was like, you know what? This is right. I believe that Lisa did sabotage it. Oh my God, but I couldn't believe it. I got so excited. Anyway, so then the casino night. They're doing a lot of casino music. Do you notice that? It's like a lot of, I don't know how to explain it, but the background music, I feel like it was music that Bravo has never used before. It was brand new music. Suddenly I felt like I was in some off-brand casino, like not a casino on the strip, like certainly not one of the main casinos. (laughs) But you know, when you go to Vegas and there you go to, sometimes you go to the old Vegas and then you go to some weird janky hotel with like a couple craps tables where the, the minimum is 50 cents or something. You know, those real kind of like, not the regular good ones. I felt like that's the kind of music they play because they don't want to play the rights or they don't want to pay for like Spotify to play in their sound system. So instead they just play like some, some free music, royalty free music in the lobby. And I feel like that's where we were. I was like, I'm ready to play, I don't know, solitaire for a, a 75 cent all in uh, on a table in Vegas. Anyway, I'm um, Chris, Angie's husband. We meet him. You guys, what the fuck was going on with him? Chris, the husband, he seemed like a nice guy, but then he was sitting around when they were having that fight in the separate room. I was like, Chris, what are you doing in here? Like this is a lady's argument. And he was just sitting there with all the women. It was like Whitney was there. Lisa was there. Lisa brought uh, Meredith in and Jen. And then the husband's just sitting there. I'm like, Chris, you need to get the fuck out. There's not other husbands here. How about you get the fuck out? Like, what are you doing in there? I mean, otherwise, again, seemed like a nice gentleman. He was throwing this charity for the sun. They said they're not Mormons anymore because they the Mormons aren't supportive of the the lifestyle of their child. And I thought that was a beautiful thing. I loved it. But I was just thinking, what is he doing in the scene? And that also made me think he was more like a Terry Dubrow sort of house husband rather than one that doesn't want to be around, you know, like, a, I don't know, Harry Hamlin or something. You know, there's some house husbands that want the spotlight. They want to be in front of the red light and get in the mix. And this Chris gentleman, this man, I think you want to be in front of the camera. Anyway, Coach Shaw's there. There's like a jewelry person giving them jewels for the party. Mary and Whitney at one point were doing like gymnastics over a balcony. Unclear. And then, uh, look, it's a big deal because there's alcohol, there's gambling. We're in the Mormon community. And most of the women, I will say, sort of looked insane. I mean, I hate to talk about looks, but I'm going to for at least the next five minutes because I didn't quite understand. Meredith did... I have my probably favorite look. She looked like Morticia Adams, and I mean that as a compliment because I love more. I love the Adams family. <laughs> I wish I had that sound bite, but I just recreated it for you guys. Anyway, she looked like Morticia in the best way. And you know, I have a little. Uh, I have a little crush on Seth. I can't help it. I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, but then a lot of the women did look sort of insane. I mean, I liked a lot. I liked the looks, but they looked insane. <laughs> like, I did love Lisa's look. I love, I thought Heather looked great. She had the bubbies out. But overall, I just kind of, I couldn't really understand where we were. And I thought they were sort of dressing for 70s at one point, weren't they? But then they didn't all look like 70s. I don't know. I don't know. 
I did like, though, watching Mary make small talk. She said something about how she, her name was Mary and Martha because she loves God and is a worker. And like, that was her making small talk. I don't know if it was a really quick moment. Just it, She was talking to someone who wasn't even in the cast. It was just Mary talking. And I was like, I'd love to watch Mary make small talk all day. Anyway, then Chris gives a, a gorgeous speech about his trans child. I loved it. And then they talk about being Mormon. The charity is N Circle. Someone gave a million dollars. This was all a beautiful thing. And I'm not familiar with N Circle. I meant to look them up. I wrote it down. Um, but I did not look them up. So I don't really know much about uh, that specific charity. Then we cut to Mary and Jen sitting. And that's when she says about the electric fence. And Jen, of course, is acting like she doesn't even know what's going on with this meme and everything. And it's like, okay, we Jen, you need to figure out your social media manager. You need to have a talk with them. You need to figure out, but it's still your fault because they still tweeted it out. They still liked whatever. In the words of Bethany Franco, you can't play smart and stupid. And I feel like that's what Jen is trying to do. And it's frustrating to watch. It's very frustrating to watch Jen uh, this season. Very frustrating. Anyway, then we cut to Angie and Lisa, and then we have that whole conversation about the caterers. And, and Lisa's like, I'm feeling so bad right now. Like that, when Angie confronted her about this whole thing, <laughs> I'm feeling like Lisa does this thing where she tells people how she's feeling. And it's good. And I, I almost feel like a producer told her or told all of these women, like, hey, we need you to constantly sort of bring up in conversation how you're feeling in the moment. Like, that's important for these shows. Because we don't really do that in real life. I don't know if you guys ever paid attention to this on the show. But we, you don't normally go around and say, I feel this way. I'm feeling that way. You, you might let out how you're feeling in different ways by showing, or maybe you tell in like a roundabout way. But Lisa does this thing where she just very clearly states, like, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this way. And I really feel like that's a producer in her ear being like, how do you feel right now? And she's like, I feel sad right now. I feel bad right now. That's what happens. And I think Lisa did meddle, but I love it. I love it. And then she grabbed Meredith. She run in the, uh, ran into the other part of the party. She grabbed Meredith. And then first she took Meredith's wine and chugged it. And then she dragged Meredith in the other room. And Meredith's like, what the fuck is going on? And then Lisa's like, I'm so upset right now. I'm completely upset. And then Whitney comes by. And then Lisa gets mad that Whitney's there. Well, Lisa says Whitney has a problem every time she breathes. And it only hurts when I'm breathing. And then uh, Whitney says, you talk about me all the time. And or she says, you talk for me all the time. And then Lisa says, you talk for me all the time. And they're just fighting and yelling the same things at each other. And then Lisa's yelling at Angie, says, don't you keep any confidences? Because she's mad that Angie uh, told Whitney this stuff. And she just kept saying, don't you keep any confidences? And Chris is just sitting there. Then Lisa pretends to cry. She wasn't really crying, you guys. <laughs> she was lying to our faces, but I appreciated the drama of it all. And she's, I just want my husband. And it reminded me of Viva Dresch. Remember when she was on that vacation? She's like, I just, I don't need you. I need my husband. And I feel like that's what Lisa was doing. And then she storms out. That's the end of the episode. Next week, you get Brooks and Jen sit down together. Uh, Lisa and Whitney have a sit down. I'm excited, you guys. I'm living. I'm living. Anyway, uh, you guys, the Real House of Salt Lake City. Let's take a quick break here and we'll come back and talk Potomac. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter and Instagram. And for all episodes of Everything Iconic, go to acast.com slash everything iconic. And then uh, go to the Patreon page. All the links are in the episode description. Take a quick break here and come back with Potomac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. And we're back. You guys, we got to talk about The Real House of Potomac. I don't have a clip from the episode this week. I was having some computer difficulties, so I couldn't pull the clip for Potomac. But we're here talking about it. Don't worry. We're going to break down Mia's 14-size foot and the whole nine, the salad toss, all of it. There's a lot going on this episode. I thought it was thrilling. Potomac, I feel like this last week was really funny, but this week brought the drama and the comedy. There was one moment where Candace said something about Mia's size 14 feet breaking the foundation as she was walking through the house. <laughs> it was a really mean comment. It was a really mean girl comment. I didn't like that. But I did laugh. I'm not proud of laughing, but I did laugh. I mean, who amongst us didn't laugh? That was fucking funny. And then the whole salad toss, you guys, that whole thing gave me the fucking chills. I have the no, chills. As I was watching, it was so thrilling. And then we got to know more about uh, Mia's husband, too, you guys. Oh, my God, Gordon. G-Money. I, that man was built for TV. Not for real life. He was built for TV. I mean, I... That man was getting so drunk and saying such crazy, silly stuff, and he was doing it right on camera, and I loved it. I loved it. Anyway, we opened this week with Mia talking to her hubby. Now, she's mad because Candace last week, of course, said that low-budget mama comment. Now, a lot of you pointed out something that I actually was blissfully unaware of. Like, I wasn't, maybe not, that's not the right term, but I wasn't paying much attention. You know, Mia, this whole season, she's been having these scenes with her mom, who had her mom had a prison thing going on and all this stuff. 
And a lot of you felt like it was Mia exploiting her mother. And I never thought about it that way. Like a lot of you have written me and said it's not appropriate for Mia to sit down with the mom and then uh, exploit her mom's story for her relevance on the show. Now, I just sort of looked at it as like, it's all part of Mia's story. And it was interesting to me. And I think it's good that they're opening up about this because I think it's a relatable storyline. But I do see the flip side of that coin of like, it is, you know, I get it. I get what you guys are all saying. And I just, it was interesting. You know, sometimes people reach out, they point out things to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I never even thought about that. You're right. You know, I get the fucking chills. And I think you're right. You're right. Uh, anyway, then we cut to Chris and Candace. You know, they're having c- uh, cigars and charcuterie, which that's our charcuterie plate, you guys. Did that not look amazing with the olives? They had the cheeses, the olives, and that's a meal to me. I'd much rather have sometimes. I don't know about you guys. I'd much rather have a big old plate of cheeses and crackers and olives and the whole nine than I would to sit and have, I don't know, a sandwich or a steak or like an actual meal. Like sometimes I just want to sit and nibble on a bunch of dips. You know, I don't know if anyone's watching that show, Only Murders in the Building. I love that show. But Martin Short's character in that is obsessed with dips. And honestly, like, I relate to that so hard because I love a dip. I love a dip. Nothing better than a dip. Sometimes that's what I want on a Friday night. I, I want to cut up some salamis, some pepperonis, some mozzarella, some cheddars, whatever we got the whole night. Some breeze. Some breeze. Who doesn't love a breeze? A brie. Not a breeze. I love a breeze, though, too. Um, I did notice Chris has some long fingernails. Anyone else notice that? I know Candace is making a big deal out of Mia's feet, but I just would like her to also look at her husband across from her and just maybe have him take some nail clippers to those to those claws of his, because I noticed them. I clocked them right away. I don't know if it was just one finger or there's a bunch of them, but there's a couple fingers on there, Chris, and he's a gorgeous man. I think he's a good-looking man. I'm attracted to Chris. I'm sorry to say it. But when I saw those fingernails uh, gripping the cigar... I thought somebody needs to clean those grippers because, uh, you know, or or sharpen down those grippers because they were sort of long. And I'm a hand person. You know, I think I've told you guys on that that on the show, I look at men's hands. I'm very attracted to men's hands. To me, it's one of the sexiest parts on a man. Obviously, we love the dicks too, right? (laughs) In the words of Ramona, I like dick. You know, I don't have that on the soundboard at the moment, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, however, I do notice hands right away. I look at, that's probably the thing I notice first, even before the face sometimes. I look at somebody's grippers and I'm judging them. And so when I saw Chris's grippers, just with the long fingernails, I thought, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Candace, maybe you need to tell him. Again, gorgeous man. And it's something so easy to fix, right? And who am I to judge looks? I'm just telling you. Uh, that I noticed them. And again, who am I to judge looks? I'm no one. And Chris is a gorgeous human. Then we cut to Ashley and Robin. They're not going on the trip, or they're not sure if they're going on the trip. And then uh, Robin's not going on the trip. Michael's not going on the trip. I'm like, y'all need to go on the fucking trip. This is a cast show. It's the ensemble cast. I need you all on the trip. Whether you want to be or not, Robin, Giselle, Michael. I mean, Demon Darby, I, maybe we could do without him. You know, he's quite frankly inappropriate and shouldn't even be on this show. <laughs> you know, on some level, uh, as much as I love the craziness that he brings to the show, uh, I do think he's sort of a hazard at this point to the cast, to the crew, everyone. And he probably shouldn't even be on here. So it's one thing to not have Demon Darby on the cast trip. But Robin, Giselle, I need you there. I don't care if you don't like Wendy. I get that. But you need to be on a camera telling us why you don't like that person. We can't just say, oh, I'm not going. I mean, I was furious, furious, furious. Then we cut to, uh, let's see, everyone's getting ready for the trip. Wendy's getting ready. She's got that dog, Zoe. You guys, that dog, Zoe. When I tell you I was instantly in love, I don't know, have we not seen Zoe before? When they put that animal print on Zoe, I was like, Zoe's a star. I love that dog. 
Gorgeous dog. I, I do want to um, talk a, a moment about something that was really bothering me at Wendy's house, though. I'm sorry. You guys know I love Wendy. Uh, you know I love her, Dr. Wendy. Uh, but there was something that was really upsetting me this week when I was in Wendy's home and I noticed so many, uh, so much word art around the house. I'm talking word art out the wazoo. And I, you guys know how I feel. I love my home goods, but when you go to home goods, you need to check your cart before you get to the checkout line and you need to do some, you need to look in the cart and take a couple word out art items out of it, right? Like you, when you're shopping, you might grab a bunch of the Ray Dunn. I get it. We've all been there. You black out. You just throw a bunch of Ray Dunn in your cart. But before you go to the register, you need to start taking out a couple of the word art items, whether that's the Ray Dunn, whether that's the live, laugh, love sign, whether that's a sign that says this house is blessed, all of it. You need to look in the cart and take some of it out right? You need to curate your home goods. It's so important. A lot of you reach out to me, you know how I feel about home goods. A lot of you reach out and say, I don't like shopping there. It's too much. And that's because people don't curate properly. And then you go into someone's home and you've heard this before used as an insult. It looks like home goods threw up over the house. And that's not home goods fault. That's the shopper's fault for not curating the items. Do you get what I mean? I hate when I hear that, when I hear somebody say, oh, it looks like Home Goods threw up in here. It gets so offended, you guys, because I think that's not on Home Goods. That's on the curator of the Home Goods. It's on you. And so, Wendy, uh, Dr. Wendy, I know you're a doctor. And so I know you're busy. You got all these degrees and jobs going on. So I get it. You're a busy gal. But I just encourage you because I saw a This Is Us sign in the master bathroom. I saw maybe an Our Heart sign in the kitchen. It was hard to read it. I think it's at Our Heart. Maybe it said something else. I saw a sign that just says love, I think. There are a lot of word art. I might have gotten the words wrong, but there were words everywhere in every room. Out the wazoo. I mean, it was just too much. I was like, Wendy, we need you to cool it. And again, Wendy's got great style. I mean, her style this season in terms of her clothing, I feel like she stepped up her game. She looks better than ever. Gorgeous. And I like her designer outfits. I feel like she wears just when later in the episode when she was wearing that Balenciaga, the jacket or whatever at the vacation home, I thought it was flawless look. I loved it. I loved it. But in the home, especially as she embarks on this candle journey, I just I I need I need her to just look out for the word art. Maybe just go throughout the house, take a couple of the items down, replace it with some other kinds of art or something. I don't know. Literally anything else. Anything else that does that's not a word. And I think we've all found ourselves in those places before. Or certainly you know someone who has. I mean, I go back home to my parents' house and I tell my mom, I'm like, Ma, Linda Pellegrino sometimes goes overboard the word art too. I'm like, you don't need a sign in the kitchen that says kitchen. We know we're in the kitchen. I see a fucking sink. I see the stove. Okay, I don't need it to say kitchen in here. I get it. <laughs> we don't need to label every room with some cursive lettering. And so everyone's been there before. I've been there before. Matt's had to take down quite a few word art items in our home. Uh, but it's very important, and I can't stress it enough. I'm sorry. How long did we take talking about that? I'm sorry, you guys. I had to talk about it. Anyway, there's a group text amongst the women that's called the Flossy Posse, which I love. A little girl's trip reference. And then Robin says she doesn't feel comfortable around Wendy because I actually feel like Robin, I, I was sort of wondering if like Juan didn't want to go on the trip. And then Robin's like, oh, I'm just not going because of Wendy because it was a couple's trip. And Juan doesn't seem interested in filming. And I actually appreciate that about Juan because, you know, maybe it's good that these husbands don't film. Demon Darby, you know, like we just talked about, maybe doesn't deserve to be on this program. Um, but again, we get to the Eastern Shore. It's a pretty seven bedroom house. 
I was happy we were under one roof. I didn't like that other trip, how they threw some of the women in that tiny ass shed that they made them sleep in. And then the other women got to be in the nice house. So I did like that they were all in one house. And I also liked how Wendy decided the rooms and Candace got the last pick. That really set off the chain of events of that fight between me and Candace, I believe was all because of Wendy saying, you get the last choice of rooms. And so I just want to applaud that. You know, I talk shit about Wendy's house, but I would like to applaud that. Now, the episode, we're doing a lot of good vibes only work. A lot of good vibes only. Like GVO, we just kept seeing the GVO on the screen. You know, the editors got got a little trigger happy with that clip art. And it was just like, every time I looked at the screen, we saw GV and O, GVO, GVO. And they kept, I was thought I was going to have a seizure at one point. I mean, they were be in the middle of talking or taking a shot. And then all of a sudden on the screen, we get like clip art lettering of GVO. And I'm like, they need to cool it because it's too much for my eyes. I mean, I was literally like, you need to, I thought I was watching MTV or something. You know, I like these shows to have quick editing, but I don't need those big letters popping in my face. I mean, it's a lot, um, but it's a lot of good vibes only. They're all getting drunk, and I like that. Uh, there's all this whole thing about Mia being upset about Candace going after the moms, and I do think no one should go after any of these moms. The moms on these shows should be off limits, you know, and I I understand Candace's side because Candace, when people went after Dorothy, she sort of sees red, and then she thought Mia went after Dorothy about some information about Chris, and so I understand Candace's side of that. But then Candace is saying these inappropriate things, and then apparently Candace didn't know about the mom, so I sort of understand that, but she still kept saying, like, you're broke, mom, or whatever she was saying. And so I understand Mia getting pissed, like, don't talk about the mom that way. And quite frankly, I want these women to stop talking about the moms in general. Inappropriate. Okay, mom's the most important people on the earth, on this God's green earth. Uh, okay, so then we cut to Robin and Giselle just putzing around the house. And I bet they were happy. On some level, I think Robin and Giselle were like, great, I don't have to film today. Um, I'll just be putzing around, and I like that. And then, let's see, G says he's a strip club connoisseur, Gordon. He says he likes white girls. Gordon humps the air. And then he also did this thing, which I know mimes have had a bit of history on uh, The Real House of Potomac. Remember, there was a a mime situation with Giselle and Karen. Um, But here comes Gordon as a mime, uh, miming just a big dick. Okay, a big, he was just miming. Did you guys, I, I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know if he actually called it a dick, but he kept being like, Eddie, look. And then he would like mime a big dick, like... And Gordon, what the fuck? And he's 68 years old. And 68, I think it's sort of good that he's on this show. Someone pointed out that it's like he's sort of like Michael in the fact that they're these two older men. And so they don't really care. And I don't think they understand reality TV. And I think that's good for reality TV. But if that was my husband or my father or my brother or whoever, I would be pretty uncomfortable. And I'm always the kind of person, if I see someone at a party... If I'm at a, a function dinner party or a vacation or something, and somebody gets too drunk, I like to be far enough away from them that I could see what's going on, but like not have to talk to them. Do you get what I mean? Like I want to see, I want an up close seat, but I don't want to be near them to talk because it was there were points where he was like trying to talk to Eddie or Chris or whoever Gordon when he was wasted, and I just could feel the uncomfortableness, and I was just thinking I would have booked it to the other side of the room. Like the minute Gordon said anything to me, I'd be like, oh, really? (laughs) Then I would have just walked to the other side and talked to Eddie or whoever. Because I don't like when somebody's super drunk trying to talk to me because it's unpredictable. It makes me uneasy. I don't know what's going to, it makes me a little scared. 
So then the weirdest part, though, this was so bizarre to me. Gordon walked away from me. He got a call on the phone. And apparently it was his car dealer. And then he puts the car dealer on speakerphone for Mia because Mia's going to get the car. And it was so odd to me, I think. And forgive me, I might have understood. I might have misunderstood this. You know, I try my best in this show, but sometimes I get things wrong. Somebody just pointed out something I got wrong last week. Oh, my God. The DMs I get, you guys, sometimes just I understand I get things wrong. I'm, there's, I'm a one-man band here. I don't have a producer. I don't have a research department. I'm a one-man band, so sometimes I miss things, get it wrong. Yeah, other podcasts, I mean, I hate to not to, to throw shade at other podcasts. Other podcasts have editors, producers, people giving them notes and, and all sorts of research. And we don't have that here on Everything Iconic. We're a one-man band. It's just me. Matt's in the other room ignoring me. Like I'm in uh, secluded just talking for an hour. So I get plenty of things wrong. So I understand that it's frustrating to listen to, but I just would like to point out um, that. Anyway, so I might have misunderstood, but I thought he was like trying to brag that they were getting a car or something, because I think he wanted to do it on camera to like show, look, we're getting this expensive car. And it was very awkward to me, very uncomfortable. And then at one point he told Mia to shut the fuck up and it was sort of a joke. But then he did this other joke where they've been married eight years. He's like seven too many. And I was like, that's not a good joke. Okay. Um, because I would be offended if Matt said something like that. I would, and then to say it on camera too. Somebody pointed out like, oh, if that's what he says in person, what does he say? Uh, what did they say in private? Somebody pointed that out. And I was like, that's right. Because if they're willing to say it on camera, then what are they saying behind the back? And then. Wendy, Candace, and Escala, they start talking about Gordon in one of the rooms, and then Mia walks in, and that's when Candace confronts me about all the stuff about the music video. And then Mia says, well, as a CEO, it's my job to identify a problem, which is why when I asked uh, at the music video uh, where the person in charge was, it was because I'm a CEO, she says, because it's her job to identify a problem. And you guys, that was insane, and I loved it. <laughs> and then she called it low budget, and she told Candace, like, that was a constructive criticism. And I was like, Mia's perfect for the show. That was really when I felt like Mia was meant to be here. And I'm glad we found her. And then Candace, you know, she gets sets off. She said, you were found on the curb by a pimp, but I would never say that. She said, but I would never say that to you. And it's like, well, you just did. Then she talks about the big ass feet. And Mia's like, well, God gave me these big ass feet. I'm proud of them. And I was proud of Mia for being proud of her big ass feet. The size 14 is good for her. Stomping all over the place. She's never going to lose her footing. I mean, I, last week on the podcast, we were talking about how so many housewives, they develop these foot issues. You know, they fall, they trip, they stumble, and they break their foot, they sprain their ankle. Mia's never going to do that because she's got such a good grip on the ground. The earth is right underneath her feet. She's got some solid stems. And so nothing's ever going to happen to Mia. She ain't going to stumble over, fall over. Last week on the show, Giselle, she had to wear the boot because something happened. She stubbed her toe or something, dropped something on it. Let me tell you something. Mia's got some strong, big-ass size 14s. And so she's luckier than any of us. She's going to be stomping around and never going to have a problem with those big-ass feet. And so Candace is saying it as a problem. And I'm thinking, you know what, Candace? Mia's never going to have to wear a boot or crutches or whatever. Uh, because she, those things are solid as a rock. She's got some Fred Flintstone feet. And I think that's a good thing. So I'm really happy for Mia. And I'm happy that Mia's proud of those big ass size 14s, those Flintstone feet. Because, uh, you know, if I was living in the Stone Age, I'd want her to drive me around in one of those cars where you have to spin the feet with your, spin the wheels with your feet. You know, because Mia's going to get you somewhere quicker with those big-ass size 14s. Okay? Her and Fred Flintstone, they'll get you somewhere in an instant. I don't want someone with little dainty feet trying to drive my car in the Stone Age. 
I want the big ass feet. So good for her. Then uh, Candace called her a night crawler. I didn't quite understand that, I guess, because is that like a, the stripper thing? Or is that like implying she's a hooker? So I didn't quite get that. But I love the term night crawler. I mean, I'm going to start using that as an insult. Which, by the way, if you've never seen the Jake Gyllenhaal movie Nightcrawler, go see it. One of my favorite movies. You know I don't like a lot of dark stuff, but that movie is excellent. And Jake Gyllenhaal is so good. He should have won the Academy Award for that. I think he was nominated, or maybe, he, I don't know if he got nominated or not, but Nightcrawler, so good. Renee Russo's in it, which Renee Russo, like, let's get her a comeback. I thought she was having a comeback a couple years ago when she did that movie, she did The Intern, and then suddenly it was like, no more Renee Russo, and I need more Renee Russo, okay? What are we talking about on this show? Oh, so Candace... <laughs> Sometimes I lose my train of thought. And I'm like, where, what are we even saying? And honestly, I feel like I just spent 15 minutes talking about someone, the woman's big ass feet. And again, I just have to point out, like, these shows are insane. <laughs> then Karen and Ashley finally arrive, and there's a bunch of close ups of cows. Don't really understand that. Ashley brought a big ass family photo to the trip. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to look at a picture of Demon Darby on my vacation. I mean, Ashley just is bringing that big ass canvas print. I'm like, what are you doing on vacation to look at your family? I was like, maybe a picture of the kids. Wasn't there just a separate photo with the kids? I mean, nobody needs to see Demon Darby. Then Wendy gives everyone a gift basket. She put together a, a basket of black-owned business products and then her candle. <gasps> the candle was there. I was so excited to see the candle. I was happy for it. She got the candle. But again, I say, how do I buy the candle? I want a copy. I want a, a version of the Wendy candle. I want the three wick, the one wick, the two wick. Give me all the wicks. From Karen, from Wendy, the whole nine, because I can't buy them. I'll give you all the monies. I'll give you whatever monies you need for those candles, but I want one. Then uh, Wendy gives, uh, that's when she divides everyone up in the room, and then Candace and Mia fight. Ashley was loving it. Ashley was loving it. And then here's some of the things that were said during this fight between Candy and Mia. Obviously, we we had the lettuce throw, which was really a flawless throw of lettuce. Uh, but uh, Candace says to Mia, the elephant in the room is your need for therapy. And then Candace also says, uh, walk your night crawling ass out of the room. And she says, where's your pimp to Mia? And then Mia calls out, pimp, pimp, where's my pimp? And then Candace calls her mom low budget again. And then that's when there's the lettuce throw. And it was, oh, wait, no, the, the low budget is, comes next week. That's the scene from next week. And we get the lettuce throw. The point is, you know, in action movies, I don't know if you guys watch a lot of action movies. I don't. But I do know that in them, there's always that scene of like uh, Nicolas Cage or someone starting a big explosion and then they walk slowly away from it, right? Like it's almost a trope of an action movie. Like they throw uh, a, a lighter into a something covered in gasoline and then they walk slowly away from it. Tom Cruise slowly walks away. And I felt like that was Mia, but it was like she threw the salad and then slowly walked away. And it was just so good. And honestly, I'd like Mia to replace Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible franchise is what I'm trying to say. Because I saw it. I saw it. Her in those size 14 feet need to stomp in front of the red light on a Mission Impossible set and take over for little Tom Cruise. Because his little feet, I don't know what size he is, but I'm certain that Mia could carry that franchise in a way that uh, a size seven Tom Cruise can't. Although I, you guys know I like Tom, I, I'm talking shit about Tom Cruise, and yes, he's a, a shorter gentleman. Uh, but I have to be honest, and I know there's this is a controversial thing too. Whenever I say this on the show, but I do like Tom Cruise's movies. I like his films. I think he's a great actor. And I will see every Mission Impossible franchise. And I know he's. Uh, don't get me started on all the craziness. I get that. 
Uh, but Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise never uh, looked better. I mean, has a human ever looked better on screen than Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire? Although what really makes that movie for me is the supporting cast. You know, the Regina Kings, the Cuba Gooding Juniors, the Bonnie Hunt. <sighs> I said this before and I'll say it again. I need there to be a Jerry Maguire spinoff about the divorced women's club that happens in that movie with Bonnie Hunt and her friends. You know, all those women who are single, divorced. Where's the spinoff? Where is the spinoff? Mia could be in that too. I mean, let's just have her take over for all the Tom Cruise franchises. Anyway, so I know Tom Cruise isn't like, and I went through this thing the other day. Did I tell you about, I don't think I told you guys about this. The one Saturday I was relaxing on the couch and I just started watching old Tom Cruise interviews. I was watching that one he did uh, where, you know, he's talking about Brooke Shields and I mean, like crazy stuff. The whole War of the Worlds press tour. That whole time in Tom Cruise's life was insane. And I could only imagine what Steven Spielberg was thinking or the studio. And they're sending out Tom Cruise to talk about the movie he did with Dakota Fanning. And he's just talking about, I don't know, antidepressants and going after people. It was so bizarre. And then trotting Katie Holmes out. Remember in Oprah when he just trots her out? There's one moment in the Oprah interview for War of the Worlds where Katie Holmes is backstage. Oprah's like, oh, so you're in love. And he's jumping on the couch. It was real crazy. But the wildest thing that moment of that whole episode, which you can watch on YouTube, the wildest thing to me is not when he jumps on the couch. Because I actually believe that Oprah was sort of encouraging him to act like that. You know, I do believe Oprah, which good for her, that makes a good talk show moment. So really, Oprah was doing the right thing. Uh, but I do think she sort of pushed him into jumping on the couch a little bit. She's like, you're in love. And then he was he was shaking her hands and then jumping on the couch. Uh, but the craziest moment, if you watch that episode of Oprah, which I'm going to encourage you all to do, is when he just decides to go backstage and get Kitty Holmes, who's not even in hair and makeup. Like, she's a beautiful young lady. But he just goes, she, I don't even know why he's backstage, because it's like, if you're doing press like that, why is this woman, who she's also a working actor, why is she with you? And he brings her back uh, on stage. Like, the cameraman literally follows him backstage, which they never did on the Oprah show. So I, that must have been sort of planned. Because would they even be on a steady cam? Wouldn't they have had the camera set up? And so it would have been difficult to take the camera off the off the docket or whatever and follow him backstage into the dressing room to bring Katie Holmes out. And then she looks shell-shocked too. And it's like, why is she even out there? I mean, a real weird moment, that backstage camera it was like, a, wow, that was a reality show in and of itself. It was crazy stuff. And I don't know about you guys, but my favorite Katie Holmes story is when she decided not to do The Dark Knight. And it's because she was doing a movie called Mad Money. With <laughs> we got so off track here at the end of Everything Iconic. I'm sorry. Uh, but one of my favorite little pieces of pop culture trivia is that Katie Holmes says that she did... Uh, she did the movie Mad Money with Queen Latifah and Diane Keaton instead of doing The Dark Knight. And I support that decision 100%. Because although The Dark Knight, this movie with Heath Ledger, you know, and the whole nine, it's known, it's a great comic book movie. I love that movie. Truly, Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies ever. But if I was in Katie Holmes' shoes and I had the opportunity to do a, a buddy comedy with Queen Latifah and Diane Keaton, I think I would have made the same choice. So there you go. And so I'm, in some levels, proud of Katie Holmes. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that 
thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How did we even get to talk about Katie Holmes? I guess I've been rewatching a little Dawson's Creek, you know, putting on an episode here or there on Netflix. And they just finally put the the theme song back in those episodes on Netflix so you can hear Paula Cole. And so I've been putting it on every once in a while. Not really binging it, but, you know, when I need something in the background. So I guess I've had Katie Holmes, Tom Cruise, the whole thing on the brain. Anyway, uh, you guys, I'm sorry that I'm crazy. That's what you sign up for when you turn on everything iconic. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Next week, we'll... Oh, a programming update next week on everything iconic. So I told you I'm not sure how it's going to work in terms of the next week or so of the schedule because my birthday's on Saturday. So I wanted to take a little moment off. But it's the Beverly Hills uh, finale on Wednesday night. So there's going to be a new episode of Everything Iconic on Wednesday night covering the Real House of Beverly Hills finale. Plus, I have a little interview that'll be on there that is like truly the most exciting interview of all time. Truly, and Everything Iconic History, the most important guest ever, will appear on that episode. And then I will have another interview episode that will be out next Sunday night uh, with an an amazing interview that you guys have to check out. You'll love it. But that'll be in place of the Potomac and the Salt Lake City recap next week. So don't come yelling at me. Don't expect it. Uh, I still hope you'll listen to the interview because the interviews will be great. But that's the programming update. Uh, what else? I want to recommend you all pre-order my book. It's up now in Booktopia in Australia. So a lot of Australians who listen to Everything Iconic were asking me, where, how do I get the book? You can now pre-order it on Booktopia. It will be out a little later in Australia, which they didn't explain to me why. It'll be out, like I think, May 1st or something. But it's still available to pre-order now in Australia, which is so weird and exciting that I, Australia people listen and want the book. Uh, I am dying to share some of the book. I keep asking, like, when can I share some chapters or something? And uh, hopefully very soon. But there's, like, such good family stories. There's, like, such good pop culture references. You guys, I'm, like, dying to share it. I love it so much. So pre-order it wherever you get your books. Amazon, Indie, Bound. There's a link in the episode description. Uh, And then if you want the Sex and the City recaps, go to the Patreon page. 
Uh, we also have the merch available at everythingiconic.store. Okay, I love you all. Let's take a moment to do our deep breaths. Let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. And we also got to wish uh, Kelly Ripa a happy 50th birthday. You guys know I love my Kelly Ripa. Queen icon legend. Underrated talk show genius. Uh, let's take another deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Okay, I love you so much. You guys have a great week. Yeah.